0: Today's episode is with John Charles Wilker. He runs the Simplest Biz YouTube channel. He's also made a killing on flipping pallets for the last 20 years. You heard that right. This guy has figured out the sweaty startup and has made an amazing, life-changing entrepreneurial business from something as simple as just paying attention and seeing where the opportunities lie. We'll be talking more about it in today's episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You know, wherever you are in your entrepreneurial journey, I have a special episode today. And I call it a special episode because a lot of times when we think about entrepreneurship, we can be a bit creative with it. We can be a bit imaginative with it. In fact, we often think of these really massive plans, these really huge disruptors. And yet, time and again, it's these simple ideas that actually can be not only incredibly lucrative for you. But can actually be really amazing sustainable businesses. In fact, we're talking today with a friend of mine, John Charles Wilker, who's joining us today. He's got a couple of things going for him. First of all, he's running a YouTube channel with over 20,000 subscribers to it. He also runs The Simplest Biz. You can find out more at the simplestbizforyou.com. And for 20 years, he's been flipping pallets in Making a killing off it. I'm really excited for this episode. You're gonna get so many great, tangible insights today, John. It's so great to have you.
1: I appreciate it, Blake. I'm glad to be here. And every time I hear people, you know, just throw the the business model out about flipping ballots, it it I it, I don't know. It's not super sexy or or uh, glamorous sounding. But I think the more we talk about this, if people stay tuned, uh, they're gonna. Find some things that are going to make their head kind of tilt and go. I did not know that, so I'm glad to be here. Absolutely.
0: Well, I, I, I'm excited for it, and I it, it's it's so funny to me because I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who's wanting to become an entrepreneur, wants to start a side mm-hmm. hustle, and he was like, you know, what can I do? What should I do? And I was like, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. You could cut grass. You could wash yeah. windows. I mean, there's there's so many things you can do as a side hustle that you know entrepreneurs are often like a creative type and they do think right. of this very massive like no one's ever done this before mm-hmm. and so it's always really i think empowering when someone like you comes on where it's like okay yeah that that seems to make sense like this actually works like this is a, an actual business so
1: yeah uh, and, I, and i don't massive. mean that
0: i don't mean that rudely <laughs> i just mean it like Whoa. that's what i think is so powerful about when we kind of take away the sexiness of entrepreneurship and we start thinking about okay, what is an actual sustainable model that is is doable for the average listener? So, right. Having said that, you know, go
1: ahead. Yeah, one thing I want to kind of dive into as well. Uh, we'll get into the business model in a second, but you know, this particular one once you learn about it, you'll realize it allows you to do other things as well because of the time freedom it gives you. So, let's say you have an online business or something, and they, as you know, it it takes a lot of brain power and knowledge to get those types of things going i wanted to expose you to this model for some people who a lot of think times think about these business models that are online this can give you revenue flow on a consistent basis in a short order to where you're able to spend that time devoted to another online business as well and really have a more than full-time income with the the, the pallet business to grow something else, it gives it gives you options, you know. Yeah. So I wanted to get that out of the way to get people in the mi- right mindset to think about this and and not just maybe as a singular business, which it can be, but also as a vehicle to do other things in your life that you maybe had on the back burner.
0: Yeah. So so give us like the scoop, like how did this? Is, I mean, twenty years in the pallet business.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> give me give me the
0: scoop, the story. How did this come about? I mean, it's, it, it's so intriguing to me. Just like, like what, what everything, happened?
1: yeah, everything like in life. A lot of times it's random and you don't see it coming. I was doing remodeling back in '98 and had a partner. His name was Dane. And um, one day we went to a job. It was in December, and the there was a note on the door. They they had to go out of town. The job fell through. We had nothing else to do for the rest of the week. It was a bathroom remodel. And he, we got back in the car. I said, "Well, what do you want to do, Dane? We don't have anything li- lined up." And he said, "Well, let's go pick up some pallets." I go, what's a pallet, you know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, he said, you know, those wooden things that warehouses use to move stuff around or they ship stuff out or they get stuff in. I'm going, okay, what what pallets? All right. All right. Well, anyway, the first place we go to my numbers are right. The first place, yeah. 1500 pallets. The the first place we went to was literally about seven, eight blocks away from where we were. And we stumbled through the whole process. And back then, believe me when I'm about to describe, I don't do it like this now, but back then we were having to actually physically load those pallets. I don't even know how we got the deal, but we stumbled through it. Just out of charisma, I guess, but, um, got that, got, they gave them those, these pallets to us for free. So yeah, right there, there's, there's the, uh, all right, where do I get, where else can I get my inventory for free? Right. Yeah. So back then also we, we didn't have any business to sell them to. We, so we sold them to a, a, a pallet yard. And it was only one style they take. And that particular business had a few different other styles. We didn't know how to deal with it. Regardless, volume, backbreaking back in the day. um, Don't do that anymore, right? Uh, We made some good money. The next day, we came across the place, had a couple thousand ballots. And I was just like overwhelmed with the amount to start with. Because I never noticed them before. So we're only getting a buck, buck, $52 a piece for them back then. And, um, that, you know, a few days in, I realized we were taking to the pallet. I said, where are those pallets we brought yesterday? And I, I'm going, oh, well, they're selling to do a business. Jane, we got to figure out who these businesses are. And we got to go out there and figure this out because I I've never seen a model where I get my, my, my product for free. Right. So that being the case, I told him to meet me there the next morning. And we're going to start a little journey here and, and and go down this road. And he didn't show up. He um, he was infatuated with this girl. She was quite cute, I have to admit. But he ran off with her. I never saw him again. And I'm stuck here with this uh, <laughs> idea in my head, yeah. trying to figure it out. And that journey started at that point. And now I have it. I don't lift. it pallets now i don't sell a pallet yards. I have actual businesses i get my product for free i don't warehouse them i don't sort them i'm going from point a with a load of pallets that are, that are loaded on my truck by their the supplier's forklift driver driving three blocks down the road to a business that needs them that ships their stuff out and i'm writing out an invoice just for number's sake you know 120 pallets i seven bucks mm-hmm. and it takes about 35 minutes to do that process i just repeat that Mm-hmm. A few times each morning, take the rest of the day off. Go you know, play golf, record music, you know, whatever I want to do that day. And I repeat it, you know, five days a week. I actually have somebody who does it for me on Fridays as well. Um, so that's the the, the simplified version of what the business model is. But what you got to know is who these businesses are and what their issues are and their problems are, the sure. question. All that type of stuff we could get yeah. into.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and of course there is like the business acumen part of it, like actually managing a business, running a business. Um, I just, but I just yeah. love the the origin story. I mean, again, and I don't want to harp too much on this, but it it's and maybe it's just I've been having too many of these conversations lately, but it just feels like entrepreneurs in general. It, it feels like they're just looking for that that mag that massive idea rather than actually looking...
1: go ahead it's funny you say that cuz actually my whole life i've been trying to figure out something more simple you know remodeling <laughs> houses is not simple there's a lot of things that can go wrong i was working for a tyrant you know for a couple of home, uh family owned businesses at one point and uh, i realized i cannot work for anybody i don't want to work especially the type of people i was working for And I I remember saying to somebody back in the early nineties, if I could just, I would, I wouldn't care if I had a hot dog stand and I was buying low and selling high, just, you know, I'm all about keeping it simple with a high profit, keeping my life simple. But these pallets ended up being like my hot dog stand that I'd been looking for. Um, but I was getting them for free, or they were paying me to take them away, large quantities, <laughs> yeah. and then selling them. So it was even better than that. And once I found it, you know, I always related to that story, and I said I gravitated toward it and grabbed all of it. And I, I'm grateful this to this day that I, I didn't go after that grandiose, complicated stuff. Yeah, um, people now, right, and having to figure out the stuff on the internet. That's grandiose and hard. It's very difficult to learn all this stuff as far as the online stuff goes. I'll take the pallets any day.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I can only assume like I'm just I'm just kind of mentally walking through like your first big sale with the pallets. I mean, there has to have been a moment where you were like, oh, that was kind of cool. And then like this curiosity of of, okay, hang on a second, could I actually do this full time? Like can I leave the remodeling business entirely? Like what was that
1: like? I never went back, I, you know, <laughs> because I went, I went crazy at first, not the right way. I was doing it wrong back in uh, 1998. I only knew about that one size palette, or thought that's the only thing that was feasible. So I, I was painting myself in corners and all that kind of thing. But I dove in the deep end, and I, I literally would get up in the morning. That morning, he didn't show up. I saw forty businesses that day. I saw forty businesses the next day. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what the questions to ask. I didn't know what the problems were. I was trying to figure that out along the way, right? And I I screwed up some great deals that I should have had. But regardless, at the end of that week, I had 12 suppliers and six buyers, okay? And it was very stressful because of the way I'd set it up, unlike what I do now, right? The way I go about it. But that being said, those accounts... Added up to around $80,000 in accounts per year, right? And I was just worked it from that point. So I was only making about $78,000 doing remodeling back then. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I never went back. I never had to. Um, it was a life-changing type scenario. And, and I, I just had gotten a taste of being a business for myself, working with Dane and away from working from somebody else so yeah i just dove in the deep end and it took me years to really perfect the model the way it's, yeah, i do it now sure. um, a lot of a lot of uh, learning about this particular industry where i can actually consult businesses um instead of uh, i got pallets you need pallets. there's a lot more to it at this point
0: yeah yeah well and i know you have uh some online content <laughs> that people can opt in for. Um, to so just learn from you and kind of understand some of these concepts. And again, those of you were listening, you can check out the simplest biz for you. That's with the letter U. Um. Dot well, they can actually
1: can go now. I tw- they can go to the simplestbiz.com too. Now.
0: Oh, great. Okay, perfect. Well, um, so when you started like explaining this to like relatives, family, <laughs> I mean, was anyone in disbelief? Like, or I mean, did people like call you like the pallet guy or <laughs> like what, I was what I named myself
1: like? I named myself the pallet king. At first, and and I had people like, "Is this really real?" You know, I had one guy who was like my tormentor. He, "Oh, you're just stealing pallets." Or so, "How many pallets did you steal today?" Right? That never. Still, these businesses that we're dealing with don't they They want them gone. They are a nuisance. They are a problem. Yeah. That yeah, and they're a rat infestation. They're a fire hazard. You know, Um, but some people didn't realize that. And here's the thing: it's such an out of left field business people, I would tell it to going, really, that's, I mean, they got their attention. You get them for free. And here's what also happens. You tell people about this and they never notice it. They've never noticed it before. And then they go out and every day they start seeing them. Tons of them. They're all over the place. You just, they're just invisible. So part of me kept this under my hat for years. Mm -hmm. And I I told my family and, you know, a couple of friends at all, but Here's the funny story is I had other people. I didn't tell anybody a thing about it. And I had other businesses as well because it allowed me time to build out some other type businesses um, because I'd be done at 930, 10 in the morning. So the story of how I started telling people about this is kind of funny because I had a friend come over from uh, Atlanta and on some other business. And I went, oh, crap, I got a couple of deliveries today. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I'd known him for a couple of years. So, again, I kept it under my hat. And he rode around with me. We pulled in a couple thousand dollars and a um, couple hours. And he turned to me and said, "This is brilliant. Will you teach me how to do it?" So there's that other uh, light bulb moment, yeah. you know. And you're going, "Wait a minute why should Why should I have all the fun? I yeah. should teach other people how to do this." That started that whole journey of of uh, the course and stuff that I teach other people.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, an entrepreneur for twenty plus years now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're sharing your, your insights, which again, I, I can't help, but think there must be so much tangible and practical with what you're teaching your students. Um, cause you've done it. I mean, you, you've done it for 20 plus years and you've been out there actually, you know, building your side hustle into an actual business right. uh, that's fed your family. And been. I mean, you talk about being done at 30. Yeah. I mean, being done at nine, through to 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, yeah. How's that for freedom? Right. I mean, people listening who they commute two hours a day and they work eight to five and they get home, you know, they eat a meal and go to bed. I mean, <laughs>
1: really well, let me incredible. give you a little analogy just so people can get the concept of this. It, it's it, Once you have the business set up, you're like an Uber driver, but for pallets. So instead of one passenger in your backseat, you have 120 passengers in your backseat, they're each paying you seven, eight, nine dollars a piece. And you're only having to drive them three blocks down the road and they don't throw up in your backseat at 3 a.m. <laughs> in the morning, right? Yeah. And those same, same customers or a different set of them will be there next week for you to pick up and deliver as well. So that's the end goal. The the, the main goal though is all right, well, I gotta figure out who these businesses are and how to help them, how to serve them the right way. That process took years to really perfect. And really expand my offerings as well. So it's not just pallets. It's pallets and crates and dunnage Mm -hmm. and large spools and 55-gallon drums and corrugated boxes and Gaylord boxes. All this stuff's out there by the billions. Again, I'm sorry I didn't want to jump ahead, but you said I could interrupt. A thought came to my mind. There's three things people should know uh, that are listening to this about pallets, just to give you an overall concept. 85% of all commerce is moved on pallets. So it touches everything, Hmm. right? You know, look off the Long Beach, all those containers are full of pallets, right? Every truck you see on the road is full of pallets. It moves the whole world. The world cannot operate without them, but nobody sees them. Number two, there's 2.5 billion pallets in the United States circulating. There's 9 point something billion in in the world. So it's a mountain of them. And just to hit that point home, 65% 65% of all lumber produced in the United States is used to build pallets or repair pallets.
0: It's amazing statistics. I mean, you're talking about an industry that you don't have to worry about scarcity. You know, it doesn't sound seasonal. Um, I, I would actually oh. even assume it's in terms of seasonal, there's even just hot months. I'm guessing the holidays yeah. or just when consumer purchasing is up. I mean, I don't know. I mean,
1: it's, it's constant it's not just Amazon. We're talking about moving stuff. It's business to business. Everything's, you know, since the internet exploded, which even exploded more during COVID because people that were scared of ordering on the web started doing it now. So that just creates a swarm of, 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 of movement of shipping, right. Of movement of items of raw materials and actual finished goods. So, the whole, we're at capacity right now. You know, we can't move all the stuff as quickly as we can, as, as needed. We need another 60,000 truck drivers out there, but every truck that's available on the road right now is moving. You know, they built, they built millions upon millions upon millions of square footage space of warehouses last year, knowing what's coming, how the world's changing right now. And, all, and every square foot of that uh, that floor space there's pallets, their inventory on top of pallets, or there's businesses that get their inventory off. They take it off the pallet and they don't know what to do with the pallet. It's a byproduct. They, they're done with it. They don't yeah. need it anymore. That's my supplier. That's my warehouse now.
0: Right? Yeah. Man, so, you must you must dream pallets. I mean, you know every pallet statistic. I'm just, I mean, and it's it's 20,
1: 24 years, man. It sounds, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the weirdest thing I never envisioned. One, doing the business, you know, you don't see that thing, kind of thing coming. But the more I dug into it, the more it made sense, the more necessity it became, the more I was attached and tethered to these businesses. So yeah, I have pallid eyes. I see them out of the backside of my head now, wherever I'm going. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did did the business ever have? I mean, it 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 doesn't sound like there was, you know, here is what I'm getting at is, you know, when you think about like COVID, for example, it's mm-hmm. been a tough time for like um restaurant owners because of COVID. Right. It doesn't sound like in the last 20 plus years, there's been any reason for there to be a scarcity of pallets for you to have a downturn in your business. I mean, has it just been up and up or have you... Have it, you well, to... in, in
1: 2006, I had one of my customers, they went out of business um, because of the downturn. I think that was 2006. But that's when I started incorporating those other items, the, the crates and the drums and the and all that. So what ended up happening. So a customer owns buys pallets for me, right? Well, they also need corrugated boxes, and some of them need fifty-five gallon drums. So you can have five customers order two, three different items from you, and now I've turned, I've doubled and tripled my revenue streams right. from the same customer base, and that's recurring revenue as well because it's not just one order. They're ordering, they run out, they need more. They run out, they need more. Same on the supply side, the stacks get up, I take them away, they grow again. So it's just this revolving door of of um, movement. And yeah, the, the, that's how I combated that downturn. But ever since the internet really took on um, and the way ordering is done now between business and business and the raw materials and the speed of it, it is a, it, it, they have not figured out how to beam stuff from one point to the other like Star Trek. So until that happens or the anti-gravity machine comes into play, this is it.
0: Yeah. Now, do you ever, I mean, do you have to deal with competition at all? I mean, it doesn't sound like there's much barrier to entry. I mean, you said it yourself, you you didn't even know the pallet industry, so to speak. So, I mean, what's it been like in the competition game?
1: Well, it's got a bad rep as far as individuals doing it. We have a lot of, remember that I was a scavenger right in the beginning and I was only knowing how to move that one pallet. Well, they're still out there, but they only—they're trying to get beer money selling to a pallet yard some pallets, but not making a business. But you have a supplier that has four or five different styles; they only know how to get that one style. Well, I learn how to move all those different styles, so I get exclusivity for those pallets, right? Yeah. So That's my trick on that aspect of it. Not only that, I'm moving their crates and their drums and their dunnage as well, so I'm tethered to them in numerous ways. And same with the the, the buyer, the buyer's issues. Some large companies, they're going to need 48, 40 standard pallets, the kind you see behind grocery stores. That's okay. I mean, I don't want to stockpile pallets. I don't want a warehouse. I don't want the overhead. I don't want forklifts, nothing like that. So I broker some deals as far as that particular size that, that I'm talking about. And and the pallet yards out there, if I'm a small business and I'm calling up the pallet yard and I'm asking for 150 pallets, they're going to say, well, we have a minimum order of 500 wow that's a that's a that's a you know hitting my pocketbook for one plus right. they ain't got the space for it but that's your minimum order and i gotta have them and oh and by the way um here's our price well they got overhead so their prices are higher i don't have any overhead right right and then thirdly there's a delivery charge of 150 bucks right mm-hmm. i don't have to charge that i may, i'm getting my stuff for free yeah. <laughs> so in that aspect, on um, those types of medium and smaller businesses that I like to deal with, at least for the movement of stuff, point A to point B, and I broker the rest, I can win. Mm-hmm. And plus, there's a lot of other areas I help them out in the warehouse besides just the pallets and the other items. There's situations in a warehouse that I've learned that I can consult them with to help their business become more efficient. And I've just because I've just been in the game as well, so I try to teach my students. The same thing so they aren't just the pallet guy right they're yeah. not the scavenger guy who hadn't bathed in three days <laughs> and has burned some customer yeah <laughs> you know at some point in time we want to knock their socks off so right. i uh, get a bear hug from a warehouse manager <laughs> now
0: how have you seen i mean has entrepreneurship changed over the last 20 years or is the game still pretty much the same
1: i think the way i've constructed this it's I'm always trying to find a, a permanent solution for nagging problems. So that's kind of been my goal and secret or, or, or what I've been after. So any day I find something that either is a time sucker, right. Or it's something I don't like. It, it irritates me. Um, I try to find a solution for it. I'll give you an example. And this is a simple one. There's and I want a permanent solution. So I never have to solve it again. So it's been a lot of layering of that to a point to where I do have even more free time and more, you know, uh, less stress in my life is what I'm really after. But an example is I I have to write a lot of emails right now, whether it be to students or customers or this, that, and the other, a lot of repetitiveness. So I use a little thing called Text Expander. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. But now if it's a common email, I can put a little abbreviation. And the whole email pops in that i generate uh, that I So I have a whole library of them. So it makes my life easier. So I'm not constantly just having to type out information over and over and over again. Just that's just one little example of something I am after to simplify my life. So as far as that's what my goal is as an entrepreneur is how do I perfect what I'm doing to a point where it lessens my stress level?
0: Convenience is powerful and uh, efficiency is powerful. I think, and I think what's interesting is, you know, you've you're talking about finding solutions that in hindsight seem so obvious, and yet being one of the first ones to tap into that can be really lucrative and uh, and and empowering as a business owner.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important as entrepreneurs because it gets it's lonely sometimes as far as you I guess the aspect, I got, I got to figure this stuff out, right? But I've tried to surround myself in the last several years with other entrepreneurs, even listen to the podcast like your own, to to feel like I can tap into what they've been through mm-hmm. and, and, and and glean information from them as well. So that's important as well, because it gets scary at times, you know, when you take on Endeavor, something new, and you're having to figure it out. And, and I wish I had done that earlier.
0: Mm. Now you're you're building a community. I mean, you have the the students who you're teaching and training. You have the YouTube channel, which I mentioned, uh over 20,000 subscribers to it. Um, do you feel like I mean, have you transitioned into a sort of um instructor teacher kind of entrepreneur now? Or are you still is it just one no, more side I, hustle well, I, that?
1: Yeah, let me let me cover that now. I still have my business, my pallet business. One little twist on that back in May, I, my wife wanted to get closer to our kid down here by Mobile. Element. We were up in Birmingham, had to move down to Mobile and have to, but happy wife, happy life. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I had a, a guy helping me. I do my pallets Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and he'd do them on Fridays. Well, since we moved, I just had him take over those accounts. They're still mine. We did. I just pay him a cut. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's passive income now. He's doing all the pickups and deliveries. So that's going on. And I'm building out more accounts down here where I've moved. Am I going to build it as big as I did up in Birmingham? No, because I do have the uh, responsibility now of – I have students in 14 different countries. I had no idea that this was going to happen or blow up like it does as far as as, as having – people all over the world doing copying my little system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's humbling and I take it very seriously to help these people out. So yes, I have to transition to some degree. Um, I'm not going to have 15 accounts here in mobile. I'm going to have four or five. Cause I still, I got it. My wife is a professional honeydew list maker. <laughs> so I still got to figure out a way to get out of the house. Yeah. As well, so Sure. That's part of my motivation. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I mean, you said it yourself, three thousand over three thousand students in fourteen different countries. Um, on top of like what you're educating, do you feel like are you having to? Um, I don't want to say like undo people's perception of entrepreneurship, but a lot of times when people think about entrepreneurship, they think about like what they've seen on like Shark Tank or right. um, you know different different shows like that. And it's kind of like what I alluded to at the start of of the podcast where it has to be like a massive groundbreaking idea. Do you, right. do you have students who are, I'm assuming, not only are you kind of rewiring them, but I'm, I'm assuming they're probably a bit relieved also to know like, oh, I don't have to have, you know, the one in a million idea. I just really have to pay attention.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and that's funny you say that. Cause I do have financial planners, you know, why does a financial planner want to do pallets? Cause you know, he's maybe getting squeezed out about to buy technology, real estate agents, I have truck drivers, I have teachers and nurses, this whole wide variety of of people. They're trying to, one, they've been overworked by their corporation, so they're trying to find something more simple in in a lot of cases, and this is to attract them, or they're, they're stuck in that cubicle and they want out, or they can see the writing on the wall in their particular field and they're wanting to move down that road. So in my process of educating that channel, the simplest biz on YouTube, I'm really making sure they know what to expect about this business model. So by the time they're actually students, you know, they know what the, what what the game is, what, what, what I'm going to be teaching and why I'm teaching this and how it can simplify their life. They want simplification. Mm -hmm. Life's become too complicated. Right. Right. So I think it's, I try to really lay that out now back to, the aspect of are some people get into this as far as learning this business model, and they've never been an entrepreneur before. So I am putting out either material that I'm developing, or I guide them to some experts as well to make sure they have the right mindset of what it takes to be an entrepreneur and the expectations. You know, the moral responsibility they have to their family to be as successful as possible to create security, right? those types of mindsets have to be in place and nobody, and some folks have not thought in, in that manner before, mm-hmm. you know, they've worked for somebody else and they've clocked in. So yes, that is a um, a battle I've had to, to wage, but you know, that's part of it.
0: <laughs> well, we're coming to the end of our episode. What, sure. where does this, where does this go from here? I mean, is this, is the palette King going to continue to grow and grow the channel going to continue to grow or do you have other aspirations you want to dabble into?
1: Well, there's a few things on the back burner, but you know that I'm I'm thinking about doing as well, and especially concerning those tools that I use and the the things I've used to simplify my life. Mm -hmm. I might stick my toe in the water as far as that goes, because you know there's a lot of people out there that are really grinding themselves in the dust. But no, my responsibility now is is for this business to keep it going, keeping my business up in Birmingham going, and it's to help as many other people that will listen to me um, understand this business model and help them get some of their freedom back, their time back, their options back. Right. And it's been a joy to do it. You know, it's been overwhelming overwhelmingly joyful to, to see that has happened, but this is my, the cards I've been dealt and I'm, I'm riding, I'm riding with it and I want to help as many people as possible
0: great. Well, we wish you well from the Good Advice Podcast. This has been an awesome episode and just so insightful. And I, I hope it's empowering for people who are listening who are have been hungry for that side hustle and realize really just how accessible it is for the people who are willing to, like I said, pay attention and get out there and, and make it happen. So thanks for coming on today.
1: Absolutely, Blake. Glad you had me. Hey,
0: for you guys who are listening, if this is your first time checking out the Good Advice Podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click the follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. Also, don't forget if you enjoy the podcast and you want to support the podcast, you can do that on our Patreon for as little as the price of a cup of coffee. You can support the podcast and all the great guests who come on it. You can find that at patreon.com slash good advice. We so appreciate your support. That's today's good advice and we'll catch you later. See ya.